Orange County picked up three out of a possible six points over the past week as they lose in Phoenix but win in Colorado Springs. And we had a Walker Hume sighting. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. As we are underway from the Champion Soccer Stadium, first time into the box, it's a great ball, and it bolts in. Oh, it's a world-class goal from Orange County. Chablo, Chablo will have a go off the deflection, and it finds its way in. Selmo shooting from the corner, he put it in. And there will be no second opportunity as Andre Rawls shuts it down. This ball finds the top left corner, and Orange County has struck again. Past Hashimoto, Segbert shooting, scoring! Escalante sits on it, and Rawls somehow was ready. And I fight, and I fight over the top, and it down, it's in! Orange County equalizes! What a debut! Not only for the stadium, but for Sola Abalaji! Are you ready, Orange County? This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast and on Facebook at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I'm with you each and every episode as we talk all things Orange County Soccer Club. And joining me like he does each and every week, we've got Dylan from County Line Coalition. How is everything going for you today, Dylan? It's pretty good, Ray. Thanks. Hope everything's good with you. Uh, that's good to hear. Yeah, it's going great for me. It was a great 4th of July. Uh, you know, the reason we're a little bit behind on our release of this podcast is we wanted to uh, celebrate 4th of July, watch some fireworks, have some great fun. And I definitely had a great night uh, in doing so. I hope you uh, got to see some good fireworks yourself. Oh, yeah. Tried to uh, try to keep things a little under control. No reason to go <laughs> too crazy, but... Yeah, it's always it's always a, a neat thing. I live in a part of uh, Orange County where you actually don't get a lot of uh, well, pretty much none of the cities around here have uh, you know legal. You can't do fireworks out on the street like you can in some of the other cities. I know Santa Ana allows it. There's some other cities more in central and northern um, uh, Orange County. Down where I live, there's not many places that do that. So it's pretty much all the shows. Every little city around here puts on a show. So I went out to beautiful Lake Mission Viejo, sat out in the sand, and looked up in the sky and watched some fireworks. And they had like a 25 minute fireworks show, which I was pretty amazed with on that because, you know, hey, it's 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 cool. It's fireworks. You you don't get to see it too often unless you live right by Disneyland. Yeah, it's probably about the uh, the most American thing you could have, just blowing <laughs> things up for fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, uh, well, I want to thank everyone for listening to our podcast again today. Uh, before we get into the thick things, I want to remind everyone that the Orange Black Soccer Cast, we are part of BGN, the Beautiful Game Network. BGN.fm is where you can find our podcast along with many other USL and soccer-based podcasts. Uh, we've had some guests from some of those podcasts here uh, through our run with this podcast. So just feel free to go to the website, check it out. You can find us, find everyone else. Also, you can find our podcast and much or, or a lot of greats uh, orange uh, orange county soccer club uh, 
information and news on Angels on Parade, which is part of SB Nation. Uh, the people over at Angels on Parade have done a great job of covering Orange County Soccer Club for many seasons, going back to when they were the Blues. So it's a good place to go look up some information. And you can always go onto our website, uh, the Orange and Black, or sorry, not the, but Orange and Black orangeandblacksoccercast.com to find uh, links to where you can find us on social media, podcast uh, information. You can actually listen to our podcast. And we have links to stories, uh, articles, and stuff that you can find all over the web, including um, Angels on Parade. So go ahead and check all that out. All right, so we're going to get into the thick of things. We're going to first talk about the Phoenix match. Um, apparently it was very hot out in Phoenix and it seems like that heat has shifted over here to us here in Southern California. Cause, uh, even though we're recording late on a Thursday night here, it's still pretty warm outside. I believe, uh, I'm sweating a little bit here in my studio in the garage. I don't know how you're doing today, Dylan with that heat, but, um, <laughs> I think that Phoenix heat followed, uh, followed us over here. Oh yeah. I'm cooking a bit. Uh, <laughs> right now it's still apparently 83 degrees. So and, I'm sure and, the rest of the country is like, oh, that's nothing, and it's not even humid. But I'm very weak when it comes to the heat. So dude, I'm, it's Southern I'm California. We're used to you know somewhere between 73 and maybe 83, 85 degrees is a perfect day for us. Anything above that starts getting a little bit warm, um, and apparently it's supposed to get even hotter. We're recording this at around nine o'clock on Thursday evening, and I'm scared to see what it's going to be like over the next couple of days. But you know, we got to live with it. We got to deal with it. So um, Orange County traveled out to Phoenix in the heat, in the desert there to face Phoenix Rising FC. Uh, We talked with our buddies from the Rising One podcast uh, last episode. uh, And, uh, you know, myself and Dylan, we were both pretty optimistic with what the outcome would be for Orange County. Uh, The guys, Dominic over from Rising is One, sort of made fun if you follow him on Twitter. Uh, that or he he said it was funny that both of us picked Orange County to win and in the end I think Dylan and myself were incorrect in that prediction as Orange County went went down to Phoenix lost 1-0 um a couple things uh, well let's just get into talking about that match uh Dylan uh you know one of the things I noticed in that match uh and I'm not going to be mad at Orange County because they actually played a pretty decent match there. They had a lot of opportunities to score. Many great shots. If you look at the highlight reel that's available on YouTube, which me and you both did right before we got on to record this, uh, there were multiple opportunities for Orange County to score. And it just, I, I, I think it's sort of a topic that I just sort of um, get on almost every episode is just we couldn't finish some of those chances. Yeah, that that happens. Um, this one was maybe a little more frustrating just because we've had this long run of draws and in so much of this game it seemed like we could at least get a goal back after giving that one up 13 minutes in, but it it happens. And, and I know I mentioned this before we started recording, but when you come up against the USL uh, goalkeeper for the week, it's hard, to, it's hard to get three points out of that uh, any time. I I forget how many saves he had, but he was having a great night, and uh, it's, it's hard to combat against that, and it's hard to combat against that when you're not home as well. I'm sure uh, Phoenix fans hear this all the time, but when I when I see his name or when I say his name, I think of that uh, that Disney Pixar movie, uh, Monsters Inc. I'm just thinking, you know, Wazinski. <laughs> 
or something like that. I think that's his name. So, no, he, he had an amazing job. Uh, again, you watch that highlight. I, I, if you haven't watched the highlights, uh, listeners, go out there, go to YouTube, check it out. I mean, th- he made save after save. Uh, you know, the probably the best opportunity for Orange County was the one where he didn't get a chance to get a save on it, but uh, he got some help from the crossbar. Um, that was on the um, Alston shot that was a, a bullet that just, you know, hit the top of the crossbar and, you know, looked... Uh, unfortunately for Orange County, it just didn't hit the right spot of the crossbar. It, it bounced out instead of bouncing down and into the goal. Um, but yeah, uh, like you said, when you go into this match and you end up a- afterwards realizing that you played the goalie of the of the week, team of the week goalie for the USL, I mean, you have to know it was probably not a good opportunity uh, for you. Yeah, kind of seemed like everything was a post goalkeeper. I mean, apparently nothing was going for us on that offense but well and then you yeah. know the the uh alston shot bounced right to michael seaton but unfortunately the defenders had pulled up and he was offside in that so um he put it in the net but the the flag went up by the side officials so um what else about that match so we yeah there was a lot of great opportunities um and although we gave up an early goal uh to phoenix uh andre rolls seemed to have an, a typical andre rolls night making some great saves uh throughout the the night and he actually made a save where he got injured uh, in the match there, but stayed on. You could tell he was dealing with that injury a little bit, that he wasn't full after that, full 100% uh, out there on the pitch. But he still made some great saves even up until the end of the match. Uh, he was out there giving us also, uh, you know, a praise to Andre Rawls like we seem to always do. I mean, I guess that's just that we should just call ourselves the Give Andre Rawls Praise uh, podcast because that's what we seem to do each and every week. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when you've got a guy of that caliber kind of finally getting some game time and and coming into his own, it's hard to say that he doesn't deserve it. Um, He's been almost lights out all season long. So, unfortunately, he got beat by that one early on and unfortunately picked up that knock later on. But hopefully it's not not too serious and we, we see him back out there again. Yeah, definitely uh, hope we can. The The unfortunate part also on that is he's a loney. He's not our guy. So um, in the end of it, there's a good chance he might not be with us um, after the season. Hopefully there's some way we can work something out because I'd love to see him stick with us. Uh, but we'll get into that as we get later into the, the season and possibly, uh, you know, the end of the season, we can start sort of speculating on some of that. Um, on this uh, match, the one goal that he did give up, it was actually a pretty nice goal. Uh, from Chris Cortez over there on Phoenix uh, Rising FC's roster. And he actually, um, it was a nice pass. I forget who gave him that pass, but it was a nice over-the-top pass to him. Back crossbar, and he was able to just get a nice, solid contact on it. It's not really much Andre Rawls could do there, but uh, as a Orange County soccer club, and you know, I know, Dylan, you go back to the OC Blues days, Chris Cortez was once on our roster, and it sort of uh, sucks when you have a former player being the one that gets that goal against you. Uh, in a match and uh, unfortunately it was a former Orange County player that was uh, able to get that goal in the net um, on Andre Rawls yeah um, we've talked a lot about the the turnover in this league so there's a almost every week I think that we play a Western Conference team which I guess is every week but seemingly every week there's someone who used to play for Orange County um, in, in whatever iteration of the team it was uh, but they don't always us. hurt us like that. <laughs> they rarely do, yeah. They generally don't have very uh, strong performances. Uh, Ajaqua from Colorado Springs, um, I know we'll get to that game in a little bit, but twice now this season he's been far from uh, effective against us, which is which is good. That's how I prefer <laughs> it. 
I, I prefer to. Uh, you don't want uh, your former player, someone that you sort of gave up on or just didn't show the faith in to come back and just sort of, you know, get something on you. Uh, you know, this, this game or this match, it was, that was the case. It was one of our former players scoring on us, getting the only goal of the match, which, you know, again, uh, it, it wasn't for lack of opportunities. Orange County had many opportunities out there and they even had the opportunity of playing a man up because, um, what was it? Cody was, uh, Cody Wakasa from Phoenix, uh, got a red card early on in the match, uh, shortly after they had scored their goal. And, um, it's, uh, it, you, you would have thought as uh, orange County fan that that was going to help you out. Uh, he took out Michael Seaton, uh, while Seaton was just outside of the box on a pretty much one-on-one -on -one opportunity with a keeper, um, and it was funny watching the the match on ESPN Plus. You heard the Phoenix uh, Homer commentators uh, questioning the automatic red card right away. Uh, I, I don't know, Dylan, when you saw that um, that red card come out, did you think that was a a, a pretty good call, like a, a right away red card on that? Um, after watching it a couple times, uh, yes, and that really comes down to where the contact was made. Um, if if Wakasa had gone to ground, I think, and, and taken down Seton with that challenge, I would have said a yellow would have been fair because um, he was up high um, with his arms. I, I can see why the ref went straight for, for his back pocket. Um, it was probably avoidable on his behalf. Uh, I'm not going to complain. Um, and I'm wishing that we had capitalized on that opportunity and or capitalized on the 55 minutes that we played. Um with a one-man advantage, but Phoenix really tightened down after that, um, and they really, really ground out that point, So, or those those three points, I, I should say. Um, hard to say that they deserved it based on how much attacking was from Orange County, but this is how the game goes sometimes. It, sometimes it's a little bit more luck than anything. Well, it, it, going back to that that Wakasa red card, I mean, the, I think the the reasoning behind an automatic red on that is, uh, I think the rules state, you know, when it's a legit scoring opportunity and you make a play that's not really on the ball like that, uh, you're going to pretty much always automatically get a red card, and I think that's where the red card came from. Unfortunately for Orange County, it was right outside of the penalty box. I mean, literally inches outside of the penalty box. So instead of getting, um, you know, Aiden Quinn right up at the uh, on at the penalty spot, you know, for a one-on-one -on -one with goalie, instead you have him just outside of the penalty box taking a uh, a free kick at goal, uh, but he had to get it over the wall, and in doing so, uh, he wasn't able to get enough curb or or aim it correctly, and he just hit it right at the Phoenix uh, keeper. So, unfortunately, that red card did not pay off for Orange County the way I think many of us thought it would. Uh, and I guess for Phoenix, it just ended up being, you know, I guess the right play for the right, you know, defensive play for uh, for Wakasa there um, in saving an opportunity. I don't know if Seton would have scored anyways because there was another defender that was right in the area and the goal, um, the goalkeeper, uh, Wazinski, was sort of in good position there anyways. So, you know, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, we could sit here and debate uh, hypotheticals all night and I'm sure there's a lot of them where where either Seton ends up scoring and that foul doesn't happen or, or Quinn puts it, you know, like a Ronaldo-esque finish and puts it in the back of the net or that both of those things don't happen and then they put two on frame later. It, it sucks, um, but thankfully they moved on from it. 
No, definitely. Definitely they moved on from it, and we're going to get into that, uh, how they moved on from it in just a few moments here. Um, but with that loss, they, they dropped three points, and we sort of talked about it last episode that um, these are a couple of matches where really Orange County needs to try and get the full three points if they can. Or I think we talked about it too. If, if Orange County can maybe get four, three or four points out of the road trip, uh, we'd probably be happy with that. Uh, unfortunately, the Phoenix match wasn't where we were able to get the points. We dropped all three points. Uh, but, you know, a valiant effort for the guys out there. Uh, really quick, before we talk about the Colorado Springs match, which was the next match on the schedule, let's just see if we can um, pick or, or figure out who was Orange County's MVP of the match on there. Um, it's very difficult to do uh, to pick something when you don't win, but you still have some good performances out there. I'll go first. I'm going to I'm gonna have to pick you know, Andre Rolls on it just because uh, the fact that he did give up one goal, but for the rest of the match, he was pretty solid. He got hurt, and he still was able to be pretty solid out there and not let any more uh, goals or any more balls get by him. I, I have to go with him, and you know, it's one of those things we talk about it. <laughs> We're picking Andre Rolls all the time for stuff, but uh, again, he just did a great job out there, um, even though he was injured and uh, made some saves. I don't know, Dylan, if you have another name that you think you can nominate for uh, MVP of the match? Yeah, for once we actually get to disagree on something. I'm going to say that Aiden Quinn uh, probably deserves our Orange County's MVP of the match there. Um, seems like almost every time there was an attacking ball, and this has been true through the season, that Quinn has been involved in that play at some point, whether it's a that last touch that puts the ball into the into the opposing 18, or if it's beginning the play and, and orchestrating, putting the ball out wide for a cross, it, he's always there and he's always involved. No, I, you know, Quinn's a great, a great choice for that. I, I think, um, you know, as I've watched this team throughout the season um, grow and uh, mesh together there, I really love our midfield uh, players. Our, our midfield is just a nice, solid piece, uh, core piece of players there. When you have someone like Aiden Quinn, you have Christian Duke in there, you have, um, um, who's the the English guy man Chaplo. names are just dropping Chaplo yes I talked to him a few weeks ago on our <laughs> podcast and I couldn't remember his name here but you got these these veteran presence of players that can be out there in the midfield and they know what to do with the ball and you watch them out there with the ball they never look like they're getting um, frazzled out there they never look like they um, are scared or they have that deer in headlights look they know what they're doing out there they keep good control of that ball and I, I think the midfield is always a very important spot for the soccer uh, pitch. Um, if you can keep control of the ball in the midfield, you're going to have a pretty good, um, pretty good match out there. Uh, and typically, that's what happens. And and we had a pretty good match in Phoenix against Phoenix against one of the better teams in USL. We just weren't able to get uh, the shot to go past uh, Wazinski uh, to get a, a point on the board. So uh, unfortunate for the boys out in Phoenix um, uh, as Orange County fell. Uh, one nil to Phoenix Rising FC, but uh, lo and behold, thanks to the great scheduling of the USL, they didn't have much time to dwell on that. They actually had to just sort of put that away and move right past that because uh, a quick turnaround of games. Uh, you know, they played in Phoenix on Friday, and I think the reason they played on a Friday is because they ended up having a Tuesday night game following that. Uh, and that Tuesday night game, they had to go up to the, you know the high altitude over there at Colorado Springs to face. Uh, Colorado Springs Switchbacks FC. Uh, there you go. The yeah, you spot on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but they went out there and they had to, to face um, Colorado Springs. So that's the next match we'll talk about here. 
And and the funny thing is the the match against Phoenix they played very well they were very aggressive out there they had many opportunities it actually was a pretty exciting match to watch and then you turn around to watch the Colorado Springs match and you know it could be the second game in four nights or or whatever that was um, or you know the fact that it's the day before Fourth of July uh, people might have had thoughts on what they're going to do the next day. Uh, it wasn't as I guess exciting a match to watch. Luckily for the boys in uh in black i believe they were wearing up there mm-hmm. uh it didn't matter they were able to basically get on the board early and hold on for a one nil victory um so let's get into that let's talk about i mean literally uh, if you tuned in even a couple minutes late to that match on espn plus or if you showed up to the stadium a couple minutes late you were already out of the loop because early on uh, there was a great pass from someone we talk about quite a bit on here also, uh, uh, Hoiveld, he had an amazing pass from like the midfield over everyone to Michael Seaton, and Seaton was all alone. I don't know what happened with Colorado Springs defense, um, if they felt that they had pulled the trap and uh, pulled Seaton offside, but the ref kept their flag down. Um, Seaton goes one-on-one with the goalie, and he had a nice touch on the ball to get the ball around the... Um, Colorado Springs goalie and gets a goal and puts Orange County up early one nil. What do you think of that uh, pass and goal, Dylan? That was an amazing pass. Um, it seems like Hoyvold maybe getting his feet in uh, beneath him and maybe getting that that kind of game sense back that he was he was he was missing and that he said that he was missing. But it was a <laughs> it was a surprise to see that ninety seconds into the game. I think. Um, I think I've got it somewhere here. Yeah, uh, 128 uh, into the match, the ball across the line for the goal. So you can't start him much better than that, I don't think, especially in a away match. Um, and uh, Widener Field, um, where the switchbacks play, is worth noting, it's at 6,600 feet uh, above sea level. Jeez. So that's the highest, uh, this is a little trivia fact, that's the highest um, soccer stadium in this country. Well, so and, and, that and 93 degrees was the kickoff temp. It was a, it was a hot start for them. One, it's not like you're, you know, say Real Monarchs going from their sort of, you know, decent altitude going to to Colorado. I mean, we're going from like, you know, these guys, Orange County, they practice, they play their home matches pretty much, you what, a couple feet above sea level at uh, the Great Park there in Irvine. So it's a pretty big jump to go from that up to Colorado Springs. And uh, I, I think that the wonderful part of that early, early, early goal is it just knocks the wind out of the sails. Uh, if you watch the um, or if you listen to the announcers, the the um, Colorado Springs, they had plans for fireworks after the match to get an early kickoff to Fourth of July. They had given away scarves, even though you said it was like 93 degrees at kickoff. They still gave out, away scarves to their uh, their fans that were attending. Uh, so you, you you put that in conjunction. You have you know this party atmosphere. It's going to be Fourth of July. We're going to have fireworks. Uh, we got a free scarf. All this fun stuff, and then you don't even get into your seat with your beer, or your soda, or whatever you have. You're still you know getting to your seat, and all of a sudden you look up at the scoreboard, and it's already you know your home team's down zero to one. That just that's just a kick in the gut for the fan, um, and even for the team as well. It's just one of those things that I I think. You couldn't have asked for a better start for Orange County in that match. Definitely not. And and if you're if you're Colorado Springs, you know you've got an 89 minute grind from that point. 
Oh, yeah. And it doesn't matter if you play it 6,600 feet every week. That is a long time to try and grind out another, at least one goal to get a point, um, but preferably two for three. So that 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 early, just I think that kind of set how the game went and at least the first half went because Orange County seemed completely, completely, uh, to, it seemed to completely overwhelm Colorado for first 45 well, and, and you think about it, too, is, I mean, you get that early, you know, pretty much an early knockout punch. Uh, uh, what do you have to do if you're Orange County? You're in this high altitude. Uh, you're coming off a, a, a short turnaround. I mean, I have no problem. I know some people have these these problems with maybe, I mean, it's not like Orange County sat back the whole rest of the match and basically played defense. I mean, they were still attacking, but they were playing it smart. They knew, hey, uh, Colorado Springs is the one that has to now get a score on us, so we don't need to put, you know, four or five players up. We can sort of sit back a little bit here, not waste our energy in this high altitude uh, and pick and choose where we're going to go and attack. And that's sort of what Orange County did. And maybe that's why the match wasn't as exciting as what you saw in Phoenix, where it was this slugfest uh, that you might've been seeing there. It was sort of a smart play by Orange County. Get the, They got the early lead. Um, you, you could say there was some luck involved there because again, I have no idea when I was watching that, that stream, I am like, where the, where the heck are the Colorado Springs defenders? There was no one in the picture right after that ball. I mean, you watch Hoyville kick it. They show like the ball in the air and you see Seton get the ball and you're like, where is the defense? You know, I don't know what happened, uh, you know, with that because you didn't get to see that. But hey, I'll take it as Orange County. I'll take the full three points. I don't mind if it was a sort of a, you know, sit back and get your points and and pick and choose where you're going to attack. But it's great to see. Hey, it's a great response to to. Um, the disappointing loss in Phoenix to come back and get a nice victory in Colorado Springs. Oh, definitely. Um, I think Seaton was kept on side by Colorado's left back, who was uh, marking Joe Amico um, as that ball was played up. So center back stayed high, but I think the left back had to had to drop back a little bit to make sure that Joe wasn't going to get a run in. And it so then it we got to give some credit to Joe Amico for that goal then because he helped. Uh, keep seating on side then oh yeah definitely just forcing that forcing that left back back I'll take to it. his back to his goal i mean kind of the perfect storm uh, i know we try and play that exact kind of idea that killer through ball probably 10 times a match and it probably works one out of those 10 times so it was really good that it worked one out that of that 10th time yeah <laughs> right here 90 seconds in the match um, set us up super well and um, they weren't like a, like a Mourinho-led team. They weren't just parking the bus and sitting back. But but they I were smartly picking that, and choosing. Definitely. And I think coming off of such a short turnaround and playing not only away but at high altitude and in heat again, it was what they needed to do. It was not pretty. It was very um, uninspiring, but... We got three points and uh, back up the table a little bit, back into fourth, I think. Yeah, I, you know, when you're when you're the victorious team, it doesn't have to be the most pretty, the most beautiful match, the most beautiful performance out there. Um, if you're winning and you're smartly picking and choosing when you're going to attack and when you're going to hold back, I'll take that any day, um, especially when you're on the road uh, against uh, a team that has sort of a home field advantage when you're talking about the altitude and the short turnaround that uh, Orange County had there. 
thing that I noted on here and to talk about is uh, unfortunately shortly after or not too shortly but soon after that goal by Michael Seaton he did actually go down with an injury on a uh, uh, a hard challenge by one of the players uh, from Colorado Springs. I, I don't have the note of who it was, but it looks like he may have uh, tweaked his ankle a little bit there. I know uh, when the training staff was there looking at him, he was sort of trying to, he was moving his hand up and down, like sort of trying to represent that there was something with his ankle going on. Um, and it looked like um, he was going to attempt possibly to do something, but it looks like they, they needed to get him out there. So they took him out, brought in Godoy. It was sad that, you know, you have Michael Seaton get this early goal, this early momentum, and then he had to come out pretty early in the match because um, you would have loved to see what Seaton could have continued to try and do against um, against Colorado Springs there. So unfortunate for Michael Seaton in that opportunity or in that situation. Definitely. Um, I, I got to give him a little bit of kudos there for for trying to play on a little bit and then knowing knowing when to stop um it it sucks to see a guy go down there and and uh Godoy didn't have the best of games but he's probably been probably a little bit tired he's been playing a lot recently and kind of just running into that at a again high altitude high heat kind of just being asked to come into the game with little to no warm-up though in that heat I don't know how much of one you need um Hopefully Seaton comes back. Hopefully Rawls comes back. Um, I guess we should mention that that uh, Casey Byers got his first start yes. this season, and he actually had a really, a really good game um, for a guy who hasn't played at all yet. Definitely, when uh, when I, you know, I I didn't get to watch that match like right away live. It was sort of um, a delay for me on that. But uh, when I saw the the tweet going out that uh, was uh, posting who was going to be starting the match, I saw. You know, the first thing you, you look at is you just look and see who's in there, who's not in there. And the biggest one that, you know, sort of stood out to me was Andre Rawls. You, I, you know, you know, he got a knock uh, against Phoenix and it could be that he was still recovering from that. It could just be, you know, precautionary on such a short turnaround. Uh, but when I saw Byers on there, I was like, OK, let's uh, let's see what we can do here. Um, you know, it's not like Byers is an unproven or, uh, you know, an an X factor. I mean, we know what he can sort of do. We've seen a little bit from him here and there. Um, and even when you watch him, uh, you know, in warmups at the at the match, I mean, you could see that, you know, he's ready to get out there when needed. And it was nice to see him out there and to see him actually ready. And uh, we were talking about it before we got on to record. I mean, his positioning was pretty spot on for this match. Definitely. Um, obviously, when I was playing, I was not playing at the level that uh, that any of these guys are, but to just kind of be thrown into that after waiting 16 odd games and just be right right into it and, and have such a strong match it I think it really shows the the level of his talent um and that Clothier's decision every week to put Rawls in ahead of Byers is probably not a very easy one as good as Byers or as good as Rawls has been um you know if if Rawls ends up being a little more injured than than we think he is, and he ends up being out for a little bit. I think we're gonna do just fine with Casey in the back, um, if he if he keeps that up, and and I think he's more than capable too. So it's it's exciting to know we have this depth. Um, just kind of waiting in the wings, um, if if needed. And he really proved that he might not be the number one week in week out. That might be his number, but he uh, he can he can come in when needed. 
No, that's that's definitely a, a good call there when you mentioned, you know, it's nice to see that we have depth. And it's not just the goalkeeper position. It's pretty much all over the pitch now that we look at it. Um, you know, our forwards, we got some depth when you have players like Enavoldson, Seaton, um, Godoy, they all can play up up top there and and give you some good uh, good production. When you have your midfield, we already talked about it, and I'm I'm forgetting. There's names you know that I'm even forgetting because we just haven't seen them in a while. When you think about like you know Hashimoto, he was su- such a good strong piece for the team early on in the season before he got injured. Uh, and then going back into the defense, I mean, we'll we'll talk about it a little bit. Is is you got some really good depth in the defense where you're seeing some players that aren't even you know getting the opportunity um, when they probably haven't really shown much to to. Say Say, hey you shouldn't be playing um so it's nice to see that uh, that depth and that comes into play when you have these short turnarounds too uh one of the changes you saw on the roster although this is more of an uh this uh unknown factor um in the midfield for orange county in this match against colorado springs we saw uh the loney from lafc and uh is it i think it's uh zonamaz uh, i think i'm saying his name correctly it's there's always a name or two that i can't get right here uh, but he got an opportunity to go out there. I don't know if he um, left a great impression uh, in the match, but I mean, hey, it's it's an opportunity when you have these short turnarounds to maybe give some players uh, a chance out there on the pitch, and uh, that was uh, his opportunity out there in the pitch to try and show something um, against a USL side. So that's good to see, and you don't always see a lot of depth in the USL, so it's great to when your team has um, some decent depth out there. Oh, definitely. You know, it's it's a good team when when Richard Chaplow is is a uh, a backup midfielder for you. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> no, that definitely speaks a lot to the quality that we have, and and it it might be strongest in in our midfield and in our defense. Um, with dudes like Walker Hume and and Richard Chaplow is is your backups, or or Hashimoto just waiting to come in if needed, like. Yeah, we no, can definitely. play. We can play three day turnarounds if we need, and and I think they showed that. And to come, um, to come away with three points, in an away match, three days after a away match that they lost, it, I think it spoke a lot to the talent on this team, and it spoke a lot to the mentality as well that they're they're willing to back up. Uh, the, yes, they're they're willing to to bounce back from these things. All right, so let's get into it. You you mentioned. Uh... Uh, Walker Hume. We had a Walker Hume sighting in this match. Uh, for those of you that have listened to our past episodes, you know uh, I'm sort of always questioning what's what's happening with Walker Hume. He was pretty much a fixture in that back line. Him and Cornelli were uh, quite a bit, uh, or they were in quite a bit uh, early on in the season. You would every so often throw someone in there, maybe uh, Thomas Jewel Nelson, but you saw a lot of Walker Hume early on in the season, and then it seems like pretty much from the moment that we brought in Hoyveld, uh, Walker Hume just sort of went missing. He was, you know, I was waiting to see a milk carton uh, with his picture on it saying, hey, where's Walker Hume at? Because I haven't seen him. And I'm sure listeners, when you were watching that stream on ESPN Plus, you saw him getting ready to come to the match. You're like, ah, oh, Ray's going to be excited. There's Walker Hume. We, we we found him. He's not missing. He's ready to play. And he came on, I, although late in the match, he came on and was, you know, able to help um, help secure the victory. Yeah, that, that second half was was kind of weathering one big defensive storm and Walker definitely did a massive amount in in doing so. Um I, I would I always get excited when he comes on the pitch. Um, I can't can't uh, say the chat or the chance that we get for him cuz that is not family friendly, but um he is a massive physical presence and he's surprisingly quick for a center back. So he he came in and he probably helped us 
more than we could more than we could quantify see out those those last 20 ish minutes that he was on the pitch for no definitely um it was exciting to see him out there and it's one of the things i i know you and i talked about it when we were in carson to watch the uh the uh match against galaxy 2 um which was hoyville's debut match and sort of watching that match uh, i sort of was questioning maybe Orange County should consider going a back three with three bigs in the back and then maybe playing their their uh, right and left back more as a wing back, getting them further up the pitch since they already seem to go up the pitch quite a bit. You'll see uh, players like Joe Amico um, uh, going up the pitch in, in this match. You you watch like Alston was going up the pitch quite a bit. Um, you know, it, it's, I mean, I'm not a USL coach. I'm not going to say that I'm qualified to um, make a choice over someone who gets paid to do this. But I just thought when you brought in Hoyville, you already have some great quality back there. And this was even when we were thinking Cronally might not be back because you're bringing in Hoyville and Cronally was doing some good stuff up in Columbus. Um, but maybe you had enough out there where you can play a back three of three big center backs uh, and then play more of a winger back for the outside positions. I don't know if, uh, if we're going to see that, if this was maybe a taste of that, maybe they're trying it out a little bit um, in the training uh, opportunities. But it was nice to see where um, Co- uh, Braden Cloutier uh, was not scared to go with three bigs in the back. Um, it's it's nice to see. And, and maybe it, his hand was being forced based on what we were seeing from the Colorado Springs um, uh, game plan there with some big guys up front. Yeah, hate to, hate to rain on your parade there, but it may have been just that seeing out that, that defensive final 15 20 minutes of the match more than uh a transition to a like a pep guardiola or gareth southgate <laughs> gareth i'm not southgate saying do it all team. the time i'm not saying do it all the time but you know there may be more opportunities for it with what we have as far as just the talent we have in the back line now oh yeah but yeah uh, i agree with you that this game we needed to do something like that yeah and and more important than anything else Three points. And, Three and points. Coming back. Yes. <laughs> and moving back on up the table instead of going the wrong way. Yes. Um, now, Leighton, I, I, I don't think it was too late, but in the second half there, uh, there was a penalty awarded to Colorado Springs. And I think a lot of the Orange County fans were like, uh oh. They we're going to drop these points now. It's going to only be one point instead of three points. Um, first of all, let me just say, I, I still cannot find where. A penalty occurred i watched that the replay of the called penalty a few times it basically looks like the big guy for colorado springs his last name is uzo i believe it looked like he was just doing some like twirling there or some sort of fun dance move where he dragged his back leg around in a circle and tripped over himself um there may have been some you know air breathed on him or that pushed him or knocked him over or maybe a slight you know uh, poke, you know, but other than that, I, I'm still trying to figure out what was the contact that the match official saw. And I know it seems like we like to harp on the officials a little bit. Yes, it's USL. Yes, um, they're not at the same level you might see in some of the bigger leagues or even the World Cup. But it, it just, I'm baffled to think where was that, where was the contact or what happened that he saw that that was a penalty. So I don't know uh, if you saw something different than me, Dylan, but uh, I, I'm still. I'm still baffled. Still, still miffed. Um, I, I am. <laughs> Bierman made a little bit of contact with him, but what, what really bothered me with that penalty call was that uh, Uzo had both of his legs down and then went down. Um, so that I think what naturally would have happened there is had Bierman made enough contact to pull him to the ground as he went down, 
that leg would have likely stayed in the air as opposed to being planted before being turned and, and gone to ground. But um, whether it's a dive, whether it's a penalty, and it's just a bad angle for, from what we could see on the stream, um, at least they didn't score. <laughs> Um, at the uh, the yeah, at the pub while we were watching, it was we weren't optimistic. Um, not not to uh, knock buyer's ability or anything, but you know, it's a penalty. Um, and we just kind of figured, oh, well, this is the the payoff of this long defensive effort, and it's this is how it's going to end. There's going to be a penalty, and all right, we'll get one point. I guess we'll take that. But hey, they didn't score, so it's <laughs> that karma. brought our mood right back up, right back, uh, almost immediately. Yeah, it, it's it's all karma. I I did not see anything that warranted a penalty kick awarded there. Um, so the fact that uh, the guy from Colorado Springs, I forget what his name is. I know it wasn't Bird or Boyd or something like that. Um, the fact that he missed it wide left um, when you're looking in his uh, view. It's karma. It's it, it. It shouldn't have been a penalty. Um, it happened. It was awarded to him, and everything worked out for Orange County. Uh, I'm sure, like you said, you guys uh, sort of you know, had a sigh of relief there at the old ship. For those of you that weren't aware, um, County Line Coalition, uh, you know, organized a watch party at the old ship uh, for people to show up, and I think uh, you know Dylan was there, and I, I think there was a decent turnout there, right, Dylan? Yeah, we pulled a good amount of people, and some people were bringing some some friends and some uh, coworkers, and it was a good time. Um, you know, the day before uh, the Fourth of July definitely helps because no one's got work the next day, so <laughs> people would come, have a couple beers, watch a game. It's nice to hang out in the middle of the week and not just see each other on a Saturday. Um, but yeah, it was a good time, and and even if the performance maybe wasn't the the best that we could have hoped for. Uh, we're still, you know, we're getting out there being social. So if anyone's listening and you're on the uh, on the fence about coming to one of these things, definitely do it. Do it. Well, do it's, it. It's a party. <laughs> and we're if always anything, a party. If anything, you, you know, you get to meet other Orange County Soccer Club fans. You can talk to Dylan or myself before there. I'm going to try and make it out to the next one. Unfortunately, when this one was scheduled, I already had plans because it was the day before 4th of July and I didn't have to work the next day. Uh, my wife and I already made plans to go hang out with some friends and do some wine tasting, although I hate wine. But, you know, you still got to go hang out with friends and do it. I, I, I brought my own little six-pack of beer nice. um, and poured that into the wine glass in between wine pours to, to look like I was drinking it. So um, it is what it is. And uh, But, yeah, it, you know, and make sure you go onto Twitter or Facebook and follow uh, County Line Coalition so that way you can stay up to date on when they plan stuff like this. Um, I'll always try and retweet it or, you know, whatever, um, you know, post it on Facebook if I can. Uh, to, to spread the word as well um, on our Twitter um, account, which is uh, the Orange and Black SoccerCast Twitter um, at OCSC underscore SoccerCast. But just follow them along so you can try and um, know when these are going to happen. Because, yeah, it's it's awesome to, um, A, meet other fans of Orange County soccer or just other soccer fans in general. And, you know, I know myself and I'm sure a lot of the guys that are part of County Line Coalition, you'd love to see, you know, true fanship grow um, for the club and get a nice um, a nice group of people that can, you know, basically rally together at the matches, chant really loud, have have a great time. And, and those guys, I mean, they're they're, they're all pretty great guys uh, uh, in County Line Coalition. They they're pretty you know friendly guys. You don't have to be scared of them. Um, and uh, 
guys and gals. So, uh, yeah, just, you know, do it and come out to the next time we do that. I mean, I, oh, I, we'll definitely share with you when we find out there's going to be another one. Um, so follow us on Twitter, follow them on Twitter, and, we'll, you know, we can go things on there. Um, was there anything else I wanted to talk about on this match? I think we covered most of it. The other, oh, there was one thing, and I didn't even uh, prep you on this one, Dylan, is uh, uh -oh. I was uh, pretty amazed at how many times uh, Thomas Enavolton was called offside, especially late in the match against Colorado Springs. I, I, I'm, start to, I'm starting to notice a little bit of a pattern that he sort of tries to jump the gun um, and try to, you know, get every little advantage he can on those. Um, opportunities, but it seems like he at least you know three or four times a match he's getting called offside. I don't know if you noticed that uh, that as well, Dylan. Yeah, um, I'm going to be a little bit optimistic here and just probably chalk that up to him being pretty tired. Um, he's played so much this season, and he's played when he plays. He almost plays you know every minute of the game. Um, it's hot, <laughs> high altitude. He's probably really tired coming off of a. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know, I don't have exactly right in front of me how many games he's played this season, but, you know, if we're seeing out a 1-0 victory and, and there's 10 minutes left and he's offsides on a, on a chance that, you know, it's it's a 1v3 um, for him, it's not a huge deal. Um, we know he's got the quality to put them in, um, and he's got the pace too, so I think it may just be a little bit more trying to trying to make up for fatigue there. That makes sense. It's, um, you know, it, it makes sense. I just, I just, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me overanalyzing this particular match and just saying, hey, have I been noticing this in the past matches? But I just thought it was interesting. And, and it could very well be that, you know, hey, you're tired. You're trying to take just whatever little advantage you can get in that situation. Um, could be just Colorado Springs might have been just doing the right thing and just taking that step up right before the pass gets made, which almost every defender is taught to do um, unless you feel like you're not, you know, you, you're going to get beat you know tremendously but uh uh it is what it is um luckily you know there wasn't this necessity for that second goal because we ended up holding off uh and casey byers got the clean sheet on that so awesome for that and uh the full three points yeah um, um additionally to i think a little bit um when i was talking with uh, anna Voltson a couple weeks ago he mentioned that he actually does prefer playing a little more of a number 10 role than the number nine role um so obviously when seat went off he had to move up so i think it may just come with trying to trying to fit into a spot that he doesn't naturally believe that um, he fits into as much as, as playing a little bit deeper. Um, as as maybe a false nine is a little bit more uh, applicable to that. But um, I mean, like we've already like we've already said a couple times, we saw it out. It wasn't yeah. a, wasn't a huge deal, and we know we know his quality. He's not constantly doing this throughout the game and. And never scoring when he when he finally gets there. Um, it's it's possible that Colorado Springs, their back four made that mistake once, and it resulted in uh, Seton's goal. And then from that point on, they just they had it down, and they got that yeah. step up, and they got just enough to get Enavolton off every time. Yeah, if anything, you gotta like uh, his aggressiveness out there. I mean, a lot of times when you're getting those offside calls, it's it's you're being aggressive out there. You're trying to um, take every opportunity and trying to get every little you know. I don't want to say advantage because I'm not saying he's trying to cheat, but you're just trying to um, get as get in the best position you can. You're being aggressive out there. You want to see that in your players. Um, and it's not like you said, it's not like Enna Voltson has been a negative impact on this team. He's been a very positive impact on this team with his goal scoring and all that. So, I mean, that's 
it's something we can live with as fans. I just it's something that I just jotted down the note as I was watching the match. There's how many times he can get called off sides uh, on the match. So just hey, it happens. Um, so really quick before we move on, then let's just talk about let's see if we can pick a MVP of the match on this one. Um, I'll since I went first on the Phoenix match, I'll let you go first on this one, uh, Dylan. Who do you have as your MVP for the Colorado Springs match? Oh man. Um, oh man. And you can't say Walker Hume for making an appearance. <laughs> no, I know that's what you're going to do. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give it to Cronali. He had a really solid game back there, um, kind of mopping up most balls that were put in. Um, there were a couple of little mistakes, but pretty negligible in the end. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give it to Cronali. Not, a, he's not got, a bad choice. Yeah, he may not you know, get statistics for that or anything, but at the end of the day, He's probably one of the main reasons that we ended up with three points. Definitely. Um, although I will say on him is early on in the match, there was an opportunity. I think it was early on in the match, but he went in um, to make a, sit, a stop where he went to the ground pretty early. And if the Colorado Springs player, I don't remember who it was, um, was a better actor or was better at creating contact, he could have easily drawn a penalty probably. Um, if anything, it would have been just as much contact as we saw in the actual pe uh, called penalty. But other than that, I thought yeah, I agree with you. I thought Cronali had a Cronali had a great match there. Um, I'm going to give the uh, MVP the match, and I know you said probably I'm going to give it to Arkham. No, I'm not going to give it to him. Although I'm, uh, I appreciate that he's out there. Um, I have to give it to uh, Casey Byers uh, for coming on out, not playing a minute of the season, and then being forced into a match. Uh, you know, in an important uh, match for the team. Uh, and getting the clean sheet. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, he was very well positioned most of the match. Uh, there was quite a few uh, shot opportunities or at least attempts where the ball was hit right to Casey Byers. And uh, that just shows that he was in great position most of the match there. So I have to give him um, the man of the match or the MVP. All right, cool. So uh, let's then move on to what's coming up. And we actually have a match here this weekend just in a, you know, just actually tomorrow uh, on Saturday uh, as Orange County is going to host our rivals, I guess. Um, yeah, you can call I would that. say that's fair. I don't know if they're... Um, I don't know if you can call we'll it say a, it's a, a two-team. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I, I don't know if you can call it two-team like a rival because, uh, you know, what... I, yeah, we're not even going to go into that. But yeah, the Derby match, <laughs> the 405 Derby, as uh, this time the Galaxy fans have to travel down to Orange County. So those uh, those wonderful people from Carson and the surrounding areas are going to be heading down to our beautiful stadium in Irvine. They, they uh, already live here anyway. It's, it's not a commute <laughs> for them. This is where they should be going week in, week out. Awesome, awesome. They're going to be coming on down here as Orange County is going to host Galaxy 2 in a, I, I believe this is our third match of the season. And so far, um, you know, Orange County has been victorious on both of the other matches, uh, including the last match, which was, I believe, what was our last match against them? Was it the 1-0 match mm -hmm. uh, in Carson? Yeah, Hoyvold's debut in, uh, in Carson. Yes, yes. Oh, Alston also made it to be there. That's right. Um, just a couple minutes, but he also did make his debut. Um, but also in the previous match, which was at Orange County, which was earlier on in the season, Orange County had a lot uh, a lot nicer uh, result in that one. It was a pretty high-scoring match, I think, for Orange County, if I can remember correctly. Yeah, that one was a 3-0 victory <laughs> for us. Awesome. So if you do, um, what is the uh, aggregate? We're up 4-0 in, uh, in this series, so this will be the last game of the series. So if we were doing aggregate, we're pretty much guaranteed to win the series match. Um, but 
I, I pretty much think it's going to happen anyways. Um, uh, you know, I don't want to, you know, do the whole uh, voodoo hex on us and being too confident in it. But, uh, you know, again, it's it's a two-team. We're Orange County. Uh, it's in our home. I, I don't see anything other than a victory for Orange County in this one. What do you think, Dylan? Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you there. I think um, as a squad, Los Dos are too inconsistent to to warrant any any real worry and if i'm coming on this podcast next week and i'm talking about this game being a loss for orange county i'm gonna lose my mind um but i think that uh they struggle with the week in to week out results that orange county this season has has seemed to perfect so um on top of of anything else i think we've got that to go off of not to mention the the depth and the quality that we we have over those those now not to say we shouldn't be scared of of galaxy or we shouldn't like it's not like we, i'm saying let's put in our our u23 team we should be able to beat yeah. them easily this isn't tulsa which <laughs> oh i should i should shout them out congratulations tulsa yes congratulations tulsa match. um that was awesome the, definitely the inspiration for for that after their, wasn't it uh, it was against galaxy 2 right um I'm, i, I don't remember victory. i gotta look that up really quick I think their victory was against Galaxy 2, which, yeah, good job, Galaxy 2, for giving Tulsa their first victory. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not going to edit this uh, out. Galaxy won 1 0. Oh, Galaxy did win. So, who who did Tulsa beat then? I'm trying to look it up right now. I'm not going to edit this. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. They did. They did. You were like. You were doing the whole Google thing where it was giving you the previous score, huh? Yeah, I was looking at the one that was from. Pardon all the clicking, everyone, but I now I gotta find out which one oh, was. Keep it clicking me. away. No, it was uh, Tulsa got their first victory of the season with the new coach against Galaxy Two over in Carson after we had just demolished them. Um, so again, congratulations to Tulsa. You know, uh, you know, I, I did not want to see you guys go uh, winless all season. I wanted to at least see you guys get a win as long as it was against Orange County. The fact that you did it against our Derby. Uh, compadres up there you know an hour up to 405 great that's awesome um talking a little bit more about galaxy and us um you know this is where you could see the difference when you're looking at usl of a two team where they're more uh worried about developing their players for of course they they're trying to develop their players for their mls squad they're not looking to win uh usl championships because I mean, that's not what they're built for. Whereas you look at Orange County, Orange County is a USL squad. They want to do the best they can in the USL. They don't, they're don't. they not worried about anyone other than Orange County Soccer Club. So they're going to be putting their, their focus and their full investment into the club. So this is where, you know, I'm not a big fan of the two teams being in the USL for that reason is they're not focused on winning. Now, does that mean they can't win? No, they can definitely put together some, some seasons here and there, but... In the end, the two teams are going to be focused on the MLS uh, development, not USL. Um, so I don't know what else do we want to talk about here against uh, LA Galaxy. I don't. Uh, I, I'm hope again. I'm hoping we don't uh, jinx us, and now Galaxy is going to come somehow and win us like ten nothing or something. Um, but no, I, I'm pretty I'm I'm pretty confident in this match. I I think we should be able to win. If we don't win, it's going to be a big shock to me. Uh, I think it seems the same for you, Dylan. Yeah, um, and I think if we don't win, it's going to be a very close, very tight game. <laughs> um, there's there, I don't see it being a blowout in in any way. Not with not with our defensive quality. 
Well, potentially though, we could blow them out. Oh, I would but love you, to but see you're that not seeing them again. blow us out at all. No, if, if no, they beat that's us just like talking. a one nil or or two one or something. Yeah, that's just talking. If if Orange County somehow loses, it's going to be a very tight, probably one nil affair. Um, I, I would agree. say it's probably going to be like a a three one Orange County victory. So if you were a like a betting man and you had to put a percentage on the percentage that uh, of the chances that Orange County comes out victorious in this match, what would you say? Give me a percentage. Mm, just gonna throw a eighty out there. So eighty percent chance, con- or you're you're basically eighty percent confident that Orange County comes out victorious in this match. Yeah, and and that's <laughs> me being pretty um, reserved. I think. It's hard for I, yeah, me I'm as a th- fan to not just be super biased and say like, "Oh man, it's gonna be like four 0 Like they're just gonna <laughs> blow them out. This is gonna be the greatest game. You're trying to be a little bit more ob- objective on this. You're trying to look at it, you know, as an actual like. Yeah, uh, you're you're analyzing both teams, trying to be even. Yeah, and you're saying eighty percent. The Galaxy's chance. quality. I mean, they're super young, but they've got guys who will go and score two, three goals a game if a team is lazy in defense, or if they're just unlucky in defense, or slow in defense. Like, they've got young kids who are fast and will just tear up a defense if if they're allowed to. Um, I don't think Orange County has a defense that will let that happen, though. So I don't think so either. I'm gonna I'm gonna even be more confident than you that I'm gonna say I'm 90% confident that Orange County comes out victorious, and I'm gonna be uh you know that leaves me with 10%. I'll say I'm 9% confident. Then then if we don't win, it's gonna be a draw. So I, I'm only giving LA Galaxy to a 1% chance of victory on this. Um, by all <laughs> means, got if, me. <laughs> if by all means if Galaxy Two wins this match, you guys can hound me all I want all you want on Twitter. You you know, three or four Galaxy 2 fans out there in the world, uh, <laughs> you can go onto my personal Twitter, at DJ Ray Samora, and you can just give it, give me your all there on that and just sort of rub it in my face if Galaxy 2 end up winning. But I'm pretty confident that worst case scenario, it's going to be a, a draw, and more than likely it's going to be a victory for OC, and there's this 1% chance for Galaxy 2 um, on this. So it's just, I, I guess I want to be super confident on this. Yeah, someone's got to do it. <laughs> get some hot takes maybe that do you know it hey what what's what's worse or what's better than having you know you know the ability to get the opposing fans a little uh frustrated with me you know i'm gonna be they're gonna call me you know all oc homered out or something like that i mean nah, it's it's orange county man they're gonna win it's we've done it two times this season you know third time's a charm so but yeah hopefully i'm not yeah. jinxing us so uh county uh players go out there and win yeah, I, I save my heckling for the for the game, just for in case game. you guys are curious. I try and be as reserved as possible here. But Ray, you're just you've got nothing. You're just going for it. Hey, I'll be at this match. Actually, I'm going to be out there covering it uh, for for our podcast. I'll be uh, out there um, watching it. I'll, I'll probably come by and visit County Line Coalition, and uh, I always try and record a couple clips of some of the chants. Hopefully, you guys got some great chants going on this match, and we'll see how everything goes. But I I, I think it'll be a victory for Orange County. Definitely. All right. So before we uh, finish up here, um, we have to talk a little bit World Cup um, because is you know the round of sixteen was just an amazing round of matches um, in this crazy World Cup that we've seen so far. Where pretty much you cannot predict anything. Uh, it seems like teams that everyone thought was going to just you know dominate are not and vice versa. You have some of these surprising teams that have come out. Um, I want to talk to you, Dylan. Let's just maybe you can pick a match and I'll pick a match and let's just sort of talk about what our like most exciting match of the, of the tournament was so far. So what match would you say is your, like your, your pick for the best match so far in that round of 16? Okay. Um, wow. 
Well, the one that gave me the most gray hair was watching England win on penalties. Um, <laughs> probably the most exciting match was um, Belgium versus Japan. At least the most exciting second half, I should say. Okay, so um, so I mean, those were my two, you know, excited or the matches that I was most excited about. So let's there we go. Let's pick those two matches. We'll talk about those match. Where do you want to start? Uh, let's, let's start with Belgium. They, let's they start with first, Belgium. So we'll go with that one first. <laughs> so. Um, and if and if you didn't know that those were my like the matches I was most involved you know interested in if you follow our Twitter account for Orange Black Sarcast those were the ones the two matches where I was tweeting the most about what was going on yeah that Belgium match was amazing I was just in awe of Japan especially in that second half coming out really early and just getting two quick goals early in the second half uh, I was actually pretty much in the thought like wow I don't I don't think Belgium can come back from that uh, what were your thoughts on that Dylan. Um, so I was in class when this game was happening, so I, I checked the score and saw <laughs> that it was uh, 2-0 Japan, and I was like, oh, well, there goes Belgium, I guess. This is good news for England. Um, but they moved <laughs> on, and uh, I got home, and I saw a text from my brother saying, what an end for Belgium, and I looked at the score and saw uh, Nasser Chadley, 90 plus 4, and just... I could not believe that they they clawed that one back. Um, what the, a performance the from from both teams, but especially Belgium to have the resolve and and that last minute uh, to to get the win. By the way, uh, by the way, uh, Nasser Chadley, former Spur, just had to call <laughs> it out. Um, no, if you follow our Twitter account, though, I had actually tweeted like late in the second half or or whatever. This was like right after the Filan, F- Fellaini um, goal uh, that tied the match two two, and my my tweet was. Only question is why did it take going two down for Belgium to wake up? And that's pretty much what I saw there. It's it's they they it was almost one of those matches where they have too much confidence, which I'm now getting scared of my predictions of this uh, <laughs> LA Galaxy match. But they had too much confidence going into this match that this is Japan. We should basically be able to you know just kick the ball around and beat them. Um, and they got basically um, I forget who I was talking to, but I compared it to. Um, the Floyd Mayweather, uh, Conor McGregor match where, uh, Floyd Mayweather was sort of just basically toying with, uh, Conor McGregor for most of the match early on, just letting Conor McGregor wear himself out. And then all of a sudden he's like, you just saw Floyd Mayweather just like look at someone and say, okay, this match is over. And he just went after McGregor. Um, that's sort of what I, I was, uh, comparing this match to is just Belgium thought that they should win. They were just sort of toying with Japan. Japan got the two goal lead and Belgium like, okay. Time for us to, to, to play, and uh, it, it wasn't that easy. Japan was a great team. They definitely deserved to be victorious in that the way they played, but um, I think the – yeah, it was just a great match. <laughs> definitely. And, and you know, you're missing giving a shout-out to a current Spur. I mean, he's on contract for another year, so you should Bertanga. probably – Yeah, there you go. The first goal for Belgium. Clawing it back to start. Um, Again, you got to look at the Twitter feed. where I posted a tweet of uh, right after the goal. It's an uh, old uh, – Tottenham uh, video of him. I think he scored a goal probably or something, and he does this like ripping his shirt off Superman look, and someone basically actually uh, put Superman's logo in there. So, uh, no, I was excited for that one as well. Um, but yeah, go for it. <laughs> I'm sorry to cut you off on that. I just had to say, hey, I know who scored. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. I, I wanted you to give him a shout out because I know you you love your Spurs. Yan Yan Super Yan 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 Super Yan 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 Super Yan Super Yan Vertonghen. All right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is. You've uh, got what it takes to come out with us in the County Line Coalition. Oh, I, I could yell that. I, I'm not going to yell it to people driving in their car listening to this <laughs> podcast. I could yell it. 
Um, no, I'm, I'm picking up on a lot of the chants. Uh, uh, I'll be ready. Uh, you know, the, the opportunities I get to come where I get to be strictly a fan, I will be full-blown um, County Line Coalition chanting it up. Uh, when I'm there more as a media member, I'll be there. I'll be chanting along a little bit, but I also am going to be doing other stuff at the stadium as I'm doing that as well. So, no, but that was an amazing match. Props to Belgium for moving on. Uh, more props to Japan for just such a valiant effort out there. Um, it, uh, again, I don't think anyone expected Japan to go up 2-0 against Belgium. Um, and then even at that fact, once they went up to, I think everyone thought, okay, Japan's going to probably end up winning this match. So props to both teams. It was amazing. Yeah, truly. I'm heartbroken um, for the Japanese and, and excited for the Belgians. Um, <laughs> I'd, it was one of those games where I was like, I, I'd be fine with either team yeah. advancing or even both teams advancing somehow in some <laughs> somehow. weird world where no one can lose. Um, they both deserve three points out of that match. And it that's this game. <laughs> oh, man, it's the, it, that's this game. I was, I was very sad that I was in class and, and missed it. <laughs> All right, so you mentioned another match, which was uh, which was the one that sort of uh, had you going, or, or you were the most interested, or you most excited about, and that was uh, the matchup that saw uh, England Tottenham Hotspur versus um, dude, who did they face? Oh, uh, Colombia. There you go, <laughs> <laughs> Colombia. Uh, and I'm just gonna start off with it. Colombia is dirty. They play dirty, man. I don't know if you got to see that match or if you were in class for that one as well, but man, are they they are just doing everything they can to get under your skin. I missed the first half because I was in class. Um, rushed out of okay. class, got out a little <laughs> bit early. Rushed out of class, rushed home, got to got home right as Harry Kane got his penalty. Uh, the one in the fifty seventh minute, not the one. Uh, the controversial to, one. The I is it. Really I think it's a penalty, but I know a lot of Look, people. I'm super uh, biased. I have two England jerseys behind me right now. They're they're ironed. They're ready. I'm ready for Saturday. Like oh man, I'm. <laughs> Oh yes, I'm, so I'm obviously super biased, but I don't see how you could say that's not a penalty if you if you're wrapping your back. arms around a guy and then you're shoving him to the ground in the box. He a, was like off his piece, feet. Then what are you expecting? Yeah, the, the guy was off his feet pushing down on Hurricane. It's a penalty, but I know a lot of people were like questioning. I think uh, was it Diego Maradona was like totally criticizing uh, the official who was uh, an, an MLS official. Uh, I. I did the whole thing you're supposed to do on Twitter there because you know like people tell you you shouldn't tweet like emotionally you should actually like if you if you have an, an emotional tweet you should stop think about it and then decide if you want to send it or delete it i was almost going to send out a tweet that said uh this match is a reason why american officials shouldn't uh shouldn't officiate big matches because there was a point in the match where i felt he was almost going to lose control of the match there was a point in the match oh, i thought he did there was a point in the match where you had like five or six Colombians around him that looked like they were ready to just jump him um, and, and, and you know, just start wailing on him. Props to Colombia for not doing that. Uh, but, yeah, you you think he lost control of it. I, I Like I said, I, there was many times where I'm like, he's going to lose control of this match, and I was ready to tweet that out, and then I decided, okay, I'm going to pull back, and then I decided, okay, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to be that controversial uh, on there. But, you know, it that was one of those calls people were questioning. There was a few other things on there. Um there was a, a a play where the Colombian player got a yellow card where I thought it was obviously should have been a red card. I forget what, what happened off the Is top of my the, head. Uh, the headbutt? The head the headbutt probably, right? Yeah. I'm like, how do you not give a red card on pretty much an intentional headbutt? 
And I was surprised he didn't even want to go and review something. I don't know if maybe it's not reviewable on VAR or something like that. Um, it is. We saw that with the Portugal-Iran game where Ronaldo was up for a red card while he was trying to um, get around uh, an Iranian defender. He, I think, made contact with the dude's neck or his shoulder. And so they, he was potentially up for a red card. Um, so if it's okay. a red card offense, it is reviewable by VAR for whatever okay. reason. The ref so then didn't decide that, that to makes do me that. even more confused then because I have no idea what's going on. It's a header. It, it, I mean, it, was, it wasn't a header on the ball. It was someone heading a, uh, one of the England players, um, and the England player went down. It was. It's not like it was something where you would have noticed. The England player definitely oh, showed he that he got it. hit in the head. It was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> well, it wasn't Neymar embarrassing, but uh, no, uh, he didn't <laughs> roll away and out of the stadium, um, presumably to a hospital or anything, but. Uh. <laughs> Or to KFC, if if you don't get that <laughs> reference, go go look up on YouTube for the for the KFC World Cup commercial where some guys just like gets injured and starts rolling all the way to KFC, and this was made before the Neymar thing, and somehow they just got it perfect. I, um, I heard you laughing, Dylan. So did you see the video? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. If you haven't seen it, folks, go go look it up. Go look up KFC. You can probably type we'll in KFC Neymar. We'll give you a link. Neymar we'll find you something. a link. So you I will guys tweet don't it out. Yes. It. <laughs> we will tweet out that link, and you can see that it, it's it, it's perfect recre or, or recreation of the Neymar thing, except for it uh, it leads to some guy uh, getting some KFC for like twenty nine dollars or something. I think it was a uh, um, South African commercial. So I don't know what the exchange rate is, but I definitely am not paying twenty nine dollars for a uh, two piece chicken meal from KFC here in America. Um, okay, we're talking about England, uh, England, Colombia. Um, yeah, so my my first thing, I like I said, Colombia is dirty. Um, but the England Tottenham Hotspurs, they came out big. Uh, they exercised their uh, penalty kick demons, uh, and uh, it was oh my, it was awesome. <laughs> you and your Spurs. Um, oh, I have that um, that conversion rate for you. Uh, Twenty nine rand to is uh, two dollars fourteen cents. All right. So there, so there you we go. go. That's not, then, it, then it's, it's a not good as deal. Much of a highway robbery. <laughs> okay, I'll take um, that deal. But back to the game, <laughs> the, the sport, you know, that we're all we're all talking about and listening here. Um, I was, I think I put on about twenty years of age there. Uh, I probably have some gray hairs from that match. Ninety-third um, minute goal. I was thinking, oh no, here it goes. This, <laughs> um, I watched in two thousand six. I watched in 2010. I watched in 2014. Like, I know... I was like, I've seen this three times. Now I know what's coming. And I was not optimistic. And extra time came. And I was was panicking. Um, and penalties came. And I knew what their track record was for penalties. And I was, again, not optimistic. Um, but what what a game. And Jordan Pickford, he's not a spur. Sorry, Ray. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say right now he's better than uh, Hugo Lori. But... Um, Wow, what a game. Uh, hopefully they're a little bit better moving on against Sweden, but... Man, that game did not disappoint. No, definitely. Um, I, you know, again, I, I, I joke England-Tottenham Hotspur, and it's just because, uh, I mean, there's some key players. If you look at the five penalty kick takers, three of them were Tottenham Hotspur players uh, that took the kicks, um, including one defensive player in uh, Kieran Trippier, uh, who he probably had one of the best uh, penalty kicks there up in the upper left corner. Um, I think his was right after the Colombian player um, missed. So 
it was definitely um, an excellent match. Uh, though both of those matches that you called out, Dylan, those were my top two favorite matches of the of uh, the round of sixteen. So I mean, it was definitely some good picks there. Um, now, now that we know, um, now that we know who's made it through on that, now we have eight teams left. Who? Uh, I, I I know your team is still in there. Are you still confident in them? Uh, um, do I have to be honest? <laughs> Honesty oh, is is the best the best thing. I oh god, I think they have what it takes. I think gone are the days of. Um, there are some big names on England's squad, but I don't think that the ego is in the way. I think Southgate has organized a squad that is is good about setting aside their club differences, and and having a lot of Spurs does help when they all play together at the club <laughs> level. All right, all right, all right, whatever. Spurs. Well, you also have some former a former Spur and Kyle Walker, so there's some friendships there. You know? Yeah, beautiful. It, you know, Spurs. <laughs> it's Spurs versus the world. Everyone, in case you didn't, in case you didn't know. Um, but I think they have maybe just enough they've been struggling uh, making chances in open play but i still believe i still believe in them um realistically i think um the belgian brazil game is probably going to be the game of um the quarters um that's two quality sides two high scoring sides high performing sides that are gonna go head to head i think super yan is gonna gonna save Belgium there I think he's gonna have a strong match and that'll that'll get them to see it through um to the uh to the semis but it's gonna be an interesting two days um you know if you're listening to this podcast in between the two matches there's so much to look forward to <laughs> no I um you you should definitely have faith in your uh in your England squad there because uh they they they've got a good good squad there if they can play well i mean it, it's it's definitely a good squad pick my my pick beforehand was france i'm still confident in france um you know they they looked pretty pretty decent against argentina i think i think uh most people think they looked very dominant against argentina um so i i i'm still confident in them so i mean it, it, it's coming down i mean really both of our teams uh, doing pretty well. I think the way the brackets are matched up, it could actually end up being an England-France final, which would be pretty cool, um, I think. I'm not looking at the brackets right now, um, but that would be pretty that cool. Is, yeah, if we could have possible. a, I'm hoping If we could have not. an orange and black soccer cast World Cup final head-to-head, -head, uh, maybe we'll have to do some sort of uh, little friendly bet on that uh, if it All got right. that far. So we'll have to see how that goes. Um, really quick on your England thing, and, and the reason why I joke at calling them England Tottenham Hotspur is, and if you follow our Twitter, you, you've already know this, but there's this guy, uh, his, it's a former Arsenal great named Tony Adams, who before the World Cup started said uh, England won't be able to win anything because they have so many Tottenham Hotspur players on there, and Tottenham Hotspur players don't yet know how to win, uh, and that's going to affect the, the World Cup team. To be honest with them, yes, they haven't won much when you look at trophies over the last, you know, decade or so. But after the match, I, I went on and tweeted to Tony Adams and said, how did England win PKs with three Spurs players making their shots? Uh, I thought they won't win anything, right? And then, you know, put the whole famous Tottenham Hotspur hashtag coys. Um, I didn't hear back from Tony Adams. I don't know if he probably just, what's this orange and black soccer cast thing? Probably didn't even see it. But I just thought it's interesting. That's why I like to joke that they're the England Tottenham Hotspurs um, just because, well, A, I'm a Spurs fan, but B, just because I thought that comment was just really 
interesting and funny. Um, and I just have to say how many Arsenal players are there on the World Cup squad for England? I, if there are, I'm England, not going to count for you. I mean, I can, <laughs> but I'm just not going to. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> All right, fine. You've goaded me into it. I don't know how many on, there are. On I go. Okay, so um, while Dylan looks that up, um, again, I want to remind everyone to follow our Twitter account, uh, OCSC underscore SoccerCast. Follow us on Facebook. It's the same thing um, at OCSC underscore SoccerCast, or you can just type in Orange and Black SoccerCast on Facebook and look for us. Um, we do have an Instagram account, but I don't, re- I don't really use Instagram much, but I'm going to try and start using it more. So if you want to look for us on there, go ahead and do it. Look on our website. You can find links to all of these, plus all of the podcast platforms where you can find us. Um, I'm trying to get as many sources as I can on there. You can also get links to stories to our friends that have joined us on the show, um, including Angels uh, on Parade and the Beautiful Game Network. Dylan, did you get that number? One. One. Danny Welbeck. (laughs) Danny Welbeck. There you go. There's the Arsenal player. um, And there's five Spurs plus you if you're going to count Kyle Walker, who was very recently a Spurs. He's not on contract. He doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but um that's that's why i joke around that's why i call him england tottenham hotspur it's not just because i'm a, a spurs fan but just it's that that whole tony adams thing so um all right cool well i you know what's funny is i thought hey we're gonna make good time on this it's not gonna be that long of a podcast but we ended up just going and it was just a great conversation yeah um, we learned uh, a little bit about the uh, south african rand to united states <laughs> dollar conversion rate um <laughs> Which is very useful for those of you that are planning trips to uh, South Africa, Johannesburg, Cape Town. Just want to say you're eight hours late or you're eight years late for the World Cup, so you might want to <laughs> go to Russia instead. Yes, yes. Uh, so uh, with that said, I, I think we're pretty good there. Do you have any last parting words for our listeners, Dylan? Come say hi. You know where to find me. You guys can see us on the stream. Uh, we're out in the out in the corner at the end line every game. Come say hi. Come hang out. We got flags. We've we've got chants. <laughs> we've got a drum. You know, it's always fun. I'd love to to come see you guys. Even if you if you have nothing nice to say, you can still say it to my face. I have some thick skin, and I'll take it. <laughs> I know. I I know. I'm not perfect. Nothing. Nothing's too great. Someday I'll have that uh, conversion rate down for you. So, so you won't even if have that's to look your it up. coral. I won't have to look it up. All right. You know, the funny thing is, is, you know, this is a podcast. We're recording it today, but it's going to release the next day. So maybe that conversion rate changes, Dylan. You're going to look like you gave us the wrong number. Yeah, it's going to be 216 tomorrow. I'm going to be a fraud. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, my last piece of uh, or my last word to all you is enjoy soccer. This is like the best time of the year for soccer, especially with the World Cup going on. Uh, Make sure you head out to that uh, 405 Derby. Oh, also, I wanted to just sort of do a plug for the for the team. They're not paying me to do so. But uh, in August, I believe it's August 4th, they're going to be doing a a soccer and brews, a beer fest at the stadium. Uh, The beer fest will be uh, going on uh, prior to kickoff and it'll go through about, I think, halfway through the match is what I'm reading. Um, but it'll give you, um, you can get in there. It's a decent price. Uh, it's basically what you'd pay for some of these tickets that you'd go to see the match. Um, but you get access to some beer, uh, tastings and it's unlimited beer tastings from what I can see. Um, you can sh- go over to the orange, uh, County soccer club website. It's orangecountysoccer.com to get more information, but, uh, definitely it's a good way, uh, for those of you that are soccer fans to get some of your non-soccer fans out to the stadium to maybe experience what it's like. Um, or some of those fans that have just been like, uh, it's soccer. Do I really want to go and spend? And money bring them to this if they beer. like i know if they like beer it's a way to get them to the stadium and then you can get them you know 
I don't want to say get them drunk, but get them some you know drinks in them, and then bring them out to the stands. Show them show them what it's like to be an Orange County soccer fan out there. It's a great way to get some new fans out there. Um, and also remember, I believe it's July fifteenth, which is the World uh, World Cup finale. Uh, Orange County Soccer Club is going to be hosting a free viewing at the stadium for anyone that wants to go check that out. You can go there; it's going to be free of cost. And, you know, parking. Those of you who know parking's uh, free at the stadium, so it's a great opportunity to to hang out with other soccer fans um, and watch the there. World Cup finale. Hopefully, you'll be there with your England uh, jersey. Well, I'll I will be there be... regardless of who's there, <laughs> and I'll probably wear my England jersey regardless of who is there. But uh... I would be there, but I'm going to be in San Antonio uh, at that time, so I'll be trying to find a place in San Antonio to watch that. Luckily for me, uh, San Antonio has a couple hours on uh, Orange County, so it won't be as early of a match. But I, I don't think it's one of those crazy early matches for the final, so no, that's it'll not be too an 8 a.m. for us. So, uh, <laughs> if you're on the Pacific Coast, it's at 8 a.m. Awesome. So it'll be 10 a.m. In, in Texas for me. It's a little bit more manageable. Um, but no, no, no. Head out to the stadium for that. Head out to the stadium. Bring your friends for both of those events. Um, again, the uh, the World Cup finale um, and also for the soccer and brews where you get to go to a beer fest and watch an Orange County soccer match uh, for the same for one price. So it's awesome. Um, again, check out the website for both of those to get information on that. Uh, we always tweet information when we find this out, so you can look on our Twitter feed, Facebook page, website, and you can find information about those events as well. Um, with that said, then, I think we're going to end it here. Uh, I want to thank all of the listeners for hanging out with us uh, each and every episode. If this is your first time listening to us, feel free to go back and listen to some of the older episodes to get an idea of what Dylan and myself talk about each and every episode. We, we tend to reference some of our previous conversations uh, from time to time. Um, and we also have plenty of guests that join us each and every, or not each and every episode, but many of these episodes so you can hear what they had to say as well. Um, for those of you that have continued to listen to us and this is not your first time, thanks for coming back each and every time you do. It's, uh, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, for that said, uh, this is Ray Samora for the Orange and Black Soccer Cast signing off. Podcasts are a great way for your business to advertise to target audiences. And the Orange and Black Soccer Cast is looking for advertisers like you. If you're interested in advertising your business on our podcast, please email us at info at orangeandblacksoccercast.com. The Orange and Black Soccer Cast has joined forces with many other soccer podcasts, many of them focusing on the USL. We're now part of the Beautiful Game Network, bgn.fm.